And 4.06 on a very gray and very wet afternoon here um, can only mean one thing. It's time again for the Employment Hour. Uh, we have a special edition of the Employment Hour here on CKNW this uh, afternoon. Usually uh, myself, Lior Samfiru, I'd be on here with uh, John Scholes, or my colleague uh, Leah Moody would be on here with John Scholes. Well, John tonight's not here, so you have uh, a special occasion. We have two lawyers for the price of one just tonight, uh, Lior Samfiru and Leah Moody here with you till 5 o'clock today to talk about employment law, to talk about the workplace rights that you didn't even know you had. So tune in. We're going to be covering a lot of topics today, the times when you need an employment lawyer, common questions that we get. We'll answer your emails, and we're taking your calls, most importantly. So call us right now, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell phone. Uh, let's have some conversation. Let's uh, resolve some of those issues. We'll tell you a lot of things. We'll tell you about the severance pay calculator. Uh, but we always like to start off with a couple situations that we saw over the past few days. And with that in mind, uh, Leah, great to be with you this afternoon. Yeah, you as well, Lior. Um, so for my week that was, I wanted to chat about employment contracts, one of my favorite topics to chat about on this show and just generally. Um, because it, I had a scenario this week involving employment contracts. And this particular woman had been working for her company for about four years, and she had just been recently terminated without cause. She was offered four weeks of her salary instead of getting notice of her termination, uh, which is not at all uncommon, but she gave me a call to see if this was fair. And of course, I look at this situation on its face and I say, you know, four-year employee only getting four weeks, no way, she's entitled to more. But before I can definitively say that to her, I have to take a look at any offer letter, employment agreement, contract. And this is because a contract, if it's enforceably written and otherwise a good contract, which is key, that contract will often try to limit what someone is entitled to on termination. And in this case, this is exactly what this woman's contract did. It said essentially that instead of the common law severance that you would otherwise get, you are limited to your minimum entitlements under the Employment Standards Act. And oftentimes there are ways to work around a provision like this. We can argue that either that limitation itself or the contract on the whole is unenforceable and that your full severance entitlements continue to apply. But in this case, unfortunately for this particular woman, she was limited to four weeks by way of this contract instead of the four months she could have possibly received under the common law. That's a very big difference and could have had a very big difference in this woman's life. And I raise this today because... We had ended that conversation, this conversation between this woman and myself, with her calling this experience a teachable moment. And I thought that if I could get across that same teachable moment to others today, we might be able to avoid a situation like this in the future. And I think that there are a couple of things that cause someone to sign whatever is put in front of them at the beginning of the employment relationship, and I want to address both of them. The first is that they don't understand what it is that they're giving up in the first place, and that's a big one. And the second is that even if they do, they don't feel that they have any negotiating power when they want uh, the job that is being offered to them. But here's the thing. Say you start your employment relationship without a contract. So maybe you're offered the job over the phone, told to come in the next day, and then you do. 
at that moment, the common law, the law automatically gives you certain rights and entitlements. So if you're automatically presumed, you're automatically presumed to be entitled to common law severance in the event that you are terminated without cause. That's an automatic presumption when you become an employee without a contract, which can be approximately one month per year of service. Even if nothing is in writing, you legally would have a notional contract of employment and you automatically have this right uh, to severance on termination. Now, most contracts of employment, and it's important to note that many contracts take the form of offer letters, will seek to limit you to far less than your common law severance. And in most cases, will try to limit you to one week per year of service to a maximum of eight weeks. It can be tricky because the offer letter or contract will say, you know, if we terminate you, you'll get what you're owed under the BC Employment Standards Act. And you might think, well, I mean, they're citing legislation, they're clearly following the law, so what's the harm in signing us? But there are effectively two different kinds of laws that apply to your severance entitlements. One is the Employment Standards Act, but the other is the common law. And if you sign an agreement that limits you to the Employment Standards Act, you are signing away your common law entitlements, and those could be significant. Significant. So what do you do if you see a provision like this? You negotiate. A lot of employees think that they don't have any negotiating power on something like this, but that's just not true. You know, as someone who has been on the hiring end of things myself, and I'm sure you can relate, Lior, it can be hard to find someone that you think will be a good fit. And once you're at a point of making that offer, you've likely already told, you know, other candidates to move along, and you have a lot invested in this one particular person. Because of that, employers are much more flexible in negotiating terms, but they won't budge if you don't ask them to. They'd have no reason to. So I find that most of the time, companies won't take out a termination provision entirely, but they will give you a more generous formula. Essentially, as long as they know how much it will cost to fire you, they're good. So if you see a provision that speaks about your termination, negotiate a better severance payout for yourself or enlist a lawyer to help you negotiate from the sidelines. Contrary to what a lot of people might think, lawyers don't have to get directly involved, but can kind of uh, quarterback things from behind the scenes so that you're getting good advice without showing to your new employer that you've essentially lawyered up. So that's, that's my takeaway from this week. Read your contracts, read your offer letters, understand that you've got entitlements automatically that most contracts and offer letters will seek to limit, and that these limitations are way more negotiable than you probably think they are. Very good points, Leah. And the key here really is pay attention to other things in an employment agreement other than just your salary, your vacation, your bonuses. A termination clause could co- cost you tens of thousands of dollars. So you need to be un- to understand what you're signing. You need to negotiate if you need to negotiate. And even if you did sign something, sometimes we can actually get around it. So down the road, it's still worthwhile to call us to, to have a chat about it. But you have to pay attention. An employment agreement, a contract of employment is a very important document. Now, if you want to talk about employment agreements, your job, losing your job, discrimination, harassment, anything in the workplace, call us at 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. And to get us started here, we'll uh, go to the phones uh, right now. We have uh, Tom here. How are you doing this evening, Tom? I'm not doing too bad, thank you very much. Um, I, I, about two weeks ago, I received, uh, I was actually in the, in, in, the, uh, in the process of negotiating a new contract with my employer, and I'd only, I'd only worked for him for, I haven't worked for him for very long. He, he lured me away from a company that I worked for for 13 years. Uh, over the last couple of months, I have received some pay from him, and I haven't received any pay stubs. Now, he informed me a couple of weeks ago 
that I was fired for just cause a month ago. And the reason I think he did this is because I had a, a, a guarantee if I made it past the probation period. Now, I, I can't get a record of, he's not sending me a record of employment or any of pay stubs showing the contribution that he's supposed to make on my behalf for income tax. What do I do? Yeah, so so pay stubs is something that they're required to provide you under the Employment Standards Act. So if push comes to shove, that's certainly a, a complaint that you could make with the BC Employment Standards Branch. But there's also a lot more going on here, Tom, and that that's including the fact that you say that you were lured from a previous job of 13 years, that you were fired for just cause after a very short period of time, which is very difficult to do. And so I would recommend that you or a lawyer broach all of these issues together. I, I presume you were weren't paid any severance whatsoever, correct? Correct. And, and how long were you there for? Uh, well, that's kind of up in the air because I, I, I worked for them without a contract for a while, uh, but my official start date was supposed to be May 15th. Okay, and how long were you working without a contract before then? A month. Okay. All right. So, I mean, we're looking at a short service period of time, but so you know, short service employees are entitled to disproportionately longer periods of notice in BC. So that starts at two to three months of severance. And that number only goes up if you've got factors like being lured from a previous job, or if you've got a factor like bad faith termination of employment. And and somebody who terminates you for just cause tells you that months later and doesn't give you any documentation, uh, you know, your pay stubs, your record of employment, or even the reasons for your termination. I mean, that could certainly constitute bad faith that then starts to move that meter well into the six or seven month mark. So I I think you've got a pretty good claim here, Tom, and I would definitely recommend that you give us a call off the air. Now, Tom, okay. here's uh, the number to reach us. It's one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Again, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred, or help at employmenthour dot com. And again, this is a very important call because he actually thought he's calling about issues with his pay stubs and records of employment. Of course, those are important things, but there's a lot more at play here. He could be owed several months of severance, even though he's a short service employee. The chances of him being fired for cause legally are probably small unless he did something terrible. So, Leah, how common is this type of situation that you see where people call you thinking that they're owed something, not realizing that they're owed something much more or much different? Uh, I would say that's almost 100% of the calls that I get, to be honest. I mean, I think that a lot of people call with questions, and that's exactly why we do this show, why we're in the roles that we are. And that's because there's a big you know, dearth of information out there. A lot of people just don't know what their rights and entitlements are. So you think that there's one issue, and then you, know, you start talking about it, you start unpacking it, and several things come to light. And that's why you know, we really encourage people who suspect something's a little bit off, something feels a bit fishy, the spidey senses are tingling to contact an employment lawyer. Give us a call so that we can start to unpack that situation for you and make sure that you're not leaving anything on the table. Or you can call us right now on the show to talk about your rights, 604-280-9898. We're going to take a short break. Be right back here to talk more about employment law. This is the Employment Hour on CKNW. 
Actually, correction. You're listening to the Employment Hour with Leah Moody and Lior Samfiru, two lawyers for the price of one, just this this afternoon here on CKNW. So call us. Don't be bashful. Don't be shy. Call us right now at one. Uh, sorry, at six zero four two eight zero nine eight nine eight. Again, six zero four two eight zero nine eight nine eight or star nine eight nine eight on your cell. Happy to talk to you. Happy to answer questions. There are no bad questions. There's only solutions and way to deal with those problems. So don't hesitate to call us. Now, what we've wanted to do this afternoon and between your calls here is to talk about some situations where I'm not going to give you the options. Situations where you have to call us or, or call another employment lawyer if you don't want to call us. Situations where you absolutely need and must call an employment lawyer because if you don't, you're going to find out, unfortunately, too late that you've given up on certain important rights entitlements that, that you have. So we're going to go through that list uh, this afternoon. And if you find yourself in one of those situations, remember that you heard us here. Remember that we've told you you got to get some advice. So we'll explain that and break that down. So the first situation, Lee, I'm going to throw these at you, is uh, someone uh, who comes into work, uh, gets called into a meeting, and is fired, is let go. They have that piece of paper. What do they do? You don't sign anything, number one. Uh, you know, you, you thank them for the piece of paper, and then you go and you call me. Um, you call an employment lawyer. You give somebody a call who practices employment law after a situation like this. And the reason why is because it's a very emotional time when you've been fired. And there are lots of things going through your brain. And you've got this piece of paper that says, you know, that they're going to give you this money to support you while you're looking for another job. And it you, it sounds good. It sounds like, you know, you don't really want to get down in the dirt over it. And so, you know, why not just sign it? But the reason why is because truly, I think, and Lior, uh, you know, I'd be curious to know what your number is on this, but I honestly think 95 maybe 96 or 97, then they're splitting hairs, but very high in the 90s. Uh, 95% of severance packages I see are not sufficient. They don't come close to what somebody's entitlements are. You know, probably once a month, maybe, I, I get somebody who calls me and I get the opportunity to say, you know what, the company did right by you and you should accept the package as it's written. And I have said that and I love when I get to say that, but it happens very, very rarely. In most cases, the company is trying to get the best deal possible for itself. Or oftentimes, to be completely fair, the employer wants to do right by the employees, but they themselves haven't gotten the right advice. So they don't know what your common law entitlements are, or they don't know that they have to make you whole. Uh, and of course, what that means is that you don't just get your salary over the notice period, you get all components of your compensation. So benefits, over time, lost opportunity to earn a bonus. So the key here is just don't sign anything. Your entitlements are what they are at the moment that you're terminated. And you taking some time to review it, digest it, and have your package looked at by a lawyer won't change those entitlements. Because once you accept it, there's nothing that you can do. And you want to make sure that you're not leaving a significant amount of money on the table. So take the letters home with you. Check out you know, severancepaycalculator.com to get a quick snapshot of those entitlements, but ultimately give an employment lawyer a call. And, and an employment lawyer can tell you either that it's in line with what you're entitled to or, more likely than not, that it falls short. And then we can help you improve upon that package and get what you're entitled to. Excellent points. And not only do I agree with you that the vast majority of people are offered a lot less than they're owed, the sad thing about that is that the majority of those people will accept it. And they'll accept it because they don't know any better. 
They don't know that they have other entitlements. And that is what's sad. And invariably, they find out down the road that they're owed more and they call us and we have to break the bad news to them that yes, you would have been owed another $50,000 in severance, but unfortunately, because you've accepted, there's not much that we could do right now or because it's been more than two years. Don't let that happen to you. If you want to reach us at any time, one 855 821-5900 or help at employmenthour.com. You know, Leah and I are not just uh, radio personalities. We're lawyers. <laughs> we speak to people every single day. Uh, we, we help people. And, and don't be bashful. Don't be shy. If you lost your job, you call us. It's as simple yeah. as that. Uh, or, by the way, you can go to severancepaycalculator.com to find out what you're owed as well. Uh, very, very important. And with that in mind, Leo, another situation where I, I, I think, and I think you know that, I, I know that you agree, when people should get advice is when they haven't been fired, but th- their spidey sense is tingling because maybe they're starting getting these bad performance reviews or, or, or uh, bad uh, performance improvement plans. They don't know what to do. They don't think it's fair. Uh, what should they do then? Definitely not leave it um, because, you know, if you leave these things um, unresponded to in your file, you could potentially be setting yourself up for more trouble down the line. And the time that an employment lawyer can help you the most is when you have just received your first bad performance review or your first PIP and you're thinking, you know what? I I don't agree with this. This doesn't feel fair. This I don't I don't think that this is truthful. Um, I see this all the time. Usually, when you know there's been a change in ownership or, or when a new manager has been hired on, uh, and all of a sudden you've got this feeling that you're kind of being set up to fail. Maybe the standards aren't being made clear to you, uh, or there's a personality conflict. But either way, you know something about these performance review doesn't really ring you as being very true or very fair. Um, you know, usually this can indicate that an employer's attempting to build a case to terminate for cause. And to terminate for cause means that you're going to terminate without severance. And that's, that's very, that's a situation where if that starts to incur, it's very important to speak to an employment lawyer because there are steps that you can take to preempt this. You know, for example, if someone comes to me and they say that they're getting a performance review that they don't agree with, I always recommend that an employee drafts a response to an unwarranted or unfair discipline and ask the company to include that response in the employment file. You know, in, in that um, in that response, you want to explain why the warning is incorrect and provide your side of the story because that is going to be so invaluable if your employer does eventually terminate you for cause because you can show that you weren't listened to, uh, you can possibly even show that you were being targeted and at the very least that you weren't being given a fair opportunity. So being clear in that response and getting that on paper, I think is key in that scenario. And knowing how to navigate that situation is where an employment lawyer can really come in handy. Absolutely. Remember, uh, silence is the same as acceptance. If you don't agree with something, say yeah. so. If you don't say so, you're going you're gonna to regret it later. And, and that's always going to work out against you. So it's very important to get some advice uh, if you feel that you're being pushed out. If a case is being built against you, well, you want to build your own case. You want to put your ducks in a row so that you can respond to that. So later on, if they do let you go, you're in the best position to get your full entitlement. So if, if you don't agree with the bad performance reviews, as I said, as Leah said, you have to do something about it. You have to say so. It's very, very, very important. 
now, uh, Leah, a situation that I've often seen, and you know, we have a minute here before we go to break, is when someone, uh, a new boss comes in, and all of a sudden the person, uh, the employee can't do anything right. Uh, I'm sure you've seen that as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think sometimes, especially when either it's a new manager or oftentimes when the business is sold and there are two um, contingents of employees that are being kind of melded together and there may be some redundancies in positions, but, you know, the new company doesn't want to take on the severance of all of these other employees whose services that they're inheriting. And so they start to kind of put together this cause case. And it can come across so innocuous at first because you just get letters that speak to what sound like fairly benign things. But the point is, is that the, you know, the employer has to make standards clear to you, has to give you a fair opportunity. But the burden is also somewhat on you to make sure that you're asking questions uh, about those standards when they're not clear to you and getting your side of the story in writing because it's it's all too common that someone, you know, just takes a back seat to this hoping that the employer will eventually do the right thing. Absolutely. Call us at 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on cell. Dawn, I see you there. We're going to get to you right after the break. We'll be right back. This is the Employment Hour on CKNW. And 4.33 on your Sunday afternoon, Lior Samfiru along with Leah Moody of Samfiru Tumarkin here with you till 5 o'clock to answer your questions about employment law, workplace rights, anything to do with your job and work. So don't be bashful. Uh, don't uh, be concerned. Just call us right now. Call us at 604 280 9898 or star 9898 on your cell. And remember, not only can we help you when you call, by by helping you, by talking to you, we're going to be able to help the others listening because I promise you, there's going to be people listening that may be facing the exact same situation that you are right now. And our calls are always top priority. So uh, we'll go back to the lines. Uh, Ken, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing fine. How are you? Doing great, Ken. How can we help you? Okay, here, um, I started back with uh, someone I'd worked for before, but I was only there for a week, and I was terminated after I refused to do a construction job below industry standards and below manufacturer's standards. And as soon as I said, no, I wouldn't do it to those standards, I was told my services were no longer required. Okay, so you were there for one week? One week. And, and they was a previous employer, previous employer. Oh, okay, I see. So you'd worked for them in the past? Yes, I have. And for how many years have you worked for them? Oh, I had worked for them uh, probably for two, two and a half years, and then I was away for two and a half years, and I was going back with them. Okay, so this one week that you were there was the first time that you had been back after that two and a half year uh, pause? Absence, yes. Okay, okay. Um, And did you have a contract with the company at all? Any offer letter of any kind? No, nothing. Okay. Um, so, I mean, one week is obviously a, a very short period of time. But, I agree. Yeah, but uh, you can't be terminated for refusing to do something below an industry standard, for failing to do something that, you know, perhaps doesn't sit well with you from a moral perspective. Um, you know, that, especially, I'm presuming that they didn't give this you any severance. This would have been a waterproofing issue. Um, you know, you're talking about all the leaky condos and stuff like that. This right. would have been a waterproofing issue, and I was not about to do it that way. Right. So would it potentially cause water ingress? Yes. 
Okay. Um, so, I mean, I think that to the extent that we can get you any kind of severance here, and, and I think that we can, um, you know, the reason for your termination is certainly going to come into effect here. Now, under the Employment Standards Act, you can terminate somebody without providing them with any severance if they're terminated within three months. But if you don't have a contract and you don't have an offer letter, then you are technically entitled to severance under the, the common law. Um, and, you know, especially when you've got a reason like that for your termination, where you're refusing to do something that you you know is going to cause serious damage and that obviously falls below construction standards and the way that you morally want to conduct your business, that that's illegal. Um, and, you know, that could be a cause for a bump in your severance where you might not otherwise be entitled to that much given your length of service. So, uh, so it, all in all, I would certainly recommend that you give us a call off the air. Now, Ken, uh, very important because even as a short service employee, you may be owed severance and depending on the situations, it actually could be significant and that's very important for, for Ken and, and for all short service employees to remember. So, Ken, the number to reach us, one eight five five. 821-5900, again, 1-855-821-5900, or help at employmenthour.com, and, and appreciate that uh, call, Ken, and, and look forward to, to talking to you further. Uh, in a very important situation, just because you're a short service employee doesn't mean you don't get any severance, and just because the company says you did something wrong, it doesn't make it so. And to be let go without severance, remember what we call a termination for cause, that can only happen if you're guilty of some very, very significant misconduct. Now, Leah, we got an email I'd like uh, to bounce over to you and, and get your thoughts on. Uh, we got an email from uh, Zoe who says that uh, she uh, she worked for a governmental agency for some 10 years as an independent contractor, but she recently was terminated uh, because uh, her services were no longer required and she didn't get any severance. She wants to know if this is legal. Uh, well, I mean, if the only reason provided was that her services were no longer required and she wasn't given severance, obviously her services no longer being required would not give rise to cause at law. What is likely happening here is that the employer thinks, okay, you're an independent contractor. We've set up the relationship this way, so we can just terminate your services if we don't need them anymore and you're not entitled to anything. And, it, you know, obviously Zoe herself self-identifies as an independent contractor. Um, and that could very well be the way that they, these parties have set up the relationship for the duration of the 10 years uh, that they've been working together. But what you choose to call yourself, uh, what the employer chooses to call you, what you may even have in the body of a contract doesn't ultimately carry that much weight in the eyes of the law or to a court. So you have to, in order to be a true independent contractor, you have to have a lot of control over the things that you do, uh, and you can't be very integrated into the position. Now, my guess is somebody who's been working there for 10 years probably only works for that company. So at the very least, even if all other factors would point to the fact that she's a contractor, she's very likely a dependent contractor and not an independent contractor. And the nice thing about that distinction is that in our law, both employees and dependent contractors are entitled to severance when they're being let go. Um, so in, in a word, it's likely, it could be likely, depending on how the employment relationship uh, panned out and, and what any kind of contract might say that Zoe is entitled to severance in this situation and that terminating her without severance is illegal. 
Well, it's exactly exactly uh, right, Leah. It's uh, it's very common when situations uh, situations arise where someone believes that they're an independent contractor. Uh, well, you know, I always like to use the plumber example. You know, when you call a plumber to your house because you have a leaky faucet, the plumber comes in, fixes the the leak, and moves on to their next job. That plumber is not your employee. That plumber is an independent contractor. He or she is in right. business for themselves. They're, they're in the business of fixing, fixing plumbing issues. They, they have to get customers. They pay for their own expenses, etc. So if you're like the plumber, then yeah, you're, you're an independent contractor. On the other hand, if you go to somewhere, somewhere for a regular job, you have regular hours, you work in someone's office, you're probably an employee because you look like an employee and you act like an employee. And because of that, it doesn't matter really what you call yourself. It doesn't matter how you pay your taxes. And if you're an employee, you have the rights of an employee, including the rights of severance, like like in Zoe's situation here. So, so important that if, if you, uh, even if you're an independent contractor, quote unquote, and you lose your job, let us talk. Uh, give us a call. Let's uh, make sure that you are, in fact, an independent contractor and that you're not something else than that. And you can always do that by calling us at one 821 5900 or email at help at employmenthour.com. Uh, dot com. Leah, would you, I mean, in my experience, it's probably the, the, the second most common issue that I see in my practice, this whole independent contractor versus employee distinction. Uh, uh, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, I see it a lot too. And, and mostly it's, you know, it's the same situation that we were talking about earlier is that somebody calls for a completely different issue regarding their contract or a term in their contract. And once we start unpacking that whole scenario, it becomes clear that they're either employees or dependent contractors. And that the reason why this is such a conversation, an important conversation to have is because that intermediary category of dependent contractor is so, so critical. And I think a lot of contractors fall within it. So say you are a plumber, but you know, you're a subcontractor for a company, you know, not to make the analogy more complicated, but if you are doing jobs for many companies, but there's one company in particular where you're earning, you know, 75 or 80% of your income from that company, a court may construe you as dependent on your income and on that work from the company. And if you're a dependent contractor, even if you are doing work for other companies or other entities, you can still be entitled to severance from that company if and when you're terminated. Um, so I, I see it all the time. And because there are now these three categories of worker, it's so important that you have an understanding of where you fall so that you know what kind of severance entitlements you have if and when that employment relationship ends. If this raises any questions in your mind, you can call us right now on the station till right around the 5 o'clock, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. Uh, back to the lines we go, though, right now. Uh, George, how are you this afternoon? Oh, I'm fine. Thank you very much. A soggy Excellent. Day. Yeah. Uh, I had a, had a question, and it's uh, uh, probably not a very frequent question. Uh, my son-in-law passed away suddenly uh, last Wednesday. I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, sorry. Yeah. But uh, uh, he worked for a company for eight years. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there anything besides uh, 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 my daughter going to HR and all of that uh, stuff, uh, is there anything that she's entitled to? Well, um, I mean, I think that to the extent that there's any sort of final pay 
owing, um, overtime earned, accrued vacation, things like that. Um, You know, that could be owing. Uh, to okay. yeah, but in terms of severance, yeah. uh, unfortunately, a death no, doesn't. No, of course, there's no severance. Right, right. It's unexpected. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, unfortunately, I think that anything that had been earned by your son-in-law to the yeah. date of his uh, passing uh, yeah. could be properly owed. Uh, but typically, that's only between the employer and the employee. So it might have to be something that would be uh, taken up in the name of his estate, uh, yes. and then and then given to the beneficiaries of that estate. Okay. Now, George, is one one thing. Uh, some employees through their benefits plan at work may have a life insurance policy. Usually it's not a big policy. It could be, you know, $25,000 or something yeah, like that. Right. Uh, so, right. So that's worth looking into if there is a policy. Yeah. Uh, uh, his wife may be the beneficiary, and, yes. and obviously that's something she'd want to collect on. Of course. Uh, okay. So uh, the, the, the steps, and I'm just looking at the steps that she should take. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Uh, contacting the company, of course they know that, uh, that he has uh, passed away, uh, the, uh, and so on. Uh, now, I don't know if they have a proper HR department there, but the, mm-hmm. it really doesn't matter. The management should look after that. Uh, so what she should do then is, is to go uh, uh, call management and ensure that all monies owing are uh, 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 are furnished to her. Yeah, I, I would ask about the outstanding pay. I think that a company is going to have a lot of sympathy in situations like this. Um, likely going to be something that you know you would never have to involve a lawyer in. So I would certainly recommend that uh, she reach out to the company directly. And, and she she may want to find out who the insurance company was, yeah. the, the benefits provider, maybe on a Great West Life, for example, and then call them and find out what uh, plans he may or may not have had. Uh, very sorry to hear this, a terrible yeah. situation. And, and, you know, George, I wish you and, and your family uh, nothing but the best, and, and our, our thoughts and condolences are with you. Uh, if you want to talk to us about your workplace, write 604 280 9898 or star 9898 on your cell phone. We're going to take a short break right now. Be back with your calls, emails, and and more important things. This is the Employment Hour on CKNW. And back to the Employment Hour on CKNW 448 on Sunday afternoon. You still have a few minutes to call us and get in your questions. And, you know, let's face it, you're probably not outside uh, enjoying the lovely weather we're having. So, you know, may as well be educated and, and learn something about the employment law, things you may, didn't, may, may not have known about the rights that you have. These are very important things. And we were talking before our calls about the times where you must, must, must call an employment lawyer. And the next one, uh, Leon, on this list that I wanted to kind of throw over your way is a situation where someone that's already working, someone that's already employed, all of a sudden one day is being offered or, or being told by their boss that they need to sign a new employment agreement. Again, that happens to someone, Leah. What do mm-hmm. you think about that and what, what should they do? Yeah, more times being told to sign the employment agreement than being offered because That's right. almost nine times out of 10 and possibly 10 times out of 10, a new employment agreement during the employment relationship means the employer is trying to introduce new negative terms to the employment relationship. Very, It's very uncommon that an employer is going to ask an employee to sign a new employment agreement for the benefit of the employee. 
Uh, and many times it's because an employer, you know, has been chugging along for however many years uh, and get some legal advice. And, you know, that lawyer will likely say, you know, you don't have a termination and provision in your employment contract. You know, you could be owing these people tens of thousands of dollars if you ever want to terminate them. And so they say, well, let me do that. Let me put a termination provision in these contracts that will limit my liability if I ever have to terminate. And I would say the vast majority of time when a new employment agreement is put in front of somebody, it's because they're trying to introduce a term that limits an employee's termination entitlements. And that's why it's so important when you get a new employment agreement to have it reviewed before signing it. It could have a major impact on you if your employment is ever terminated. And that's just the obvious provision. There are lots of other provisions that can come across as fairly harmless, but could really impact you. So for example, you know, a clause saying that they can uh, change the terms of your employment, they can relocate you, they can demote you, uh, they can reduce your pay or take away your benefits if they want to. Uh, you know, they can lay you off if business gets really slow. Uh, all kinds of things that can be in a new employment agreement that you definitely want to have a lawyer take a look at and help you to negotiate. Bottom line, as Leah just said, if you're being asked out of the blue to sign an employment agreement, that is bad news. Yeah. Your employer didn't decide to have you sign an employment agreement to give you better terms. And even on the face of it, if it looks like it's better terms, maybe it's a higher salary. I assure you, in most cases, there's something on the back end that's going to cost you a lot more than that that increase in salary. So be very concerned. I would much rather you work on a handshake, okay, or with a short email saying, you know, here's your job when you're starting Monday, uh, than, than having signed a 10-page document with a lot of legalese, and especially if you're already working. So if you've been offered the job, let us see what, or if you've been offered or told to sign an employment agreement when you already have a job, let us see what it says. Let us read it. Let it tell you. Let us tell you how it could actually impact you. Yeah. And then, if it does impact you, we'll talk about how to respond, whether you should sign, and what happens if you don't. Now, continuing with this list, Leah, uh, let's let's touch on this one: things or times when you absolutely need an employment lawyer. If you're on a disability leave and your employer won't let you come back to work, uh, give me your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, so we often see this when an employee will go off on a leave of absence due to medical issues. And then when they try to come back, the employer may make it difficult for them because they found someone to replace that employee in the interim, which, of course, they're entitled to do. Uh, the work needs to be done, but room still needs to be made for the employee who is coming back. And if they don't make that room, if they don't, uh, you know, give you some sort of job back, then they have effectively terminated you. Um and you're entitled to severance. Another key component here as well is that you don't have to be at 100% health to come back. If your doctor is saying you're cleared to return part-time with modified duties, that's something that your employer has to give a lot of consideration uh, to accommodate. So an employer, every company, every employer in BC has a duty to accommodate medical restrictions. And that's to the point of undue hardship, which is a very, very uh, high bar. The employer would have to show that either you know it causes safety issues or it's just too expensive for them to accommodate you. But that's very unlikely going to be the case when we're talking about things like, you know, lifting restrictions or, you know, working eight to two instead of eight to five. Um, so even if your employer in that instance says, you know what, no, 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 we don't want you in this part-time basis. Let us know when you come when you can come back full-time. That's still a termination and that it still entitles you to severance. So 
ultimately, this is a complicated area of law. And, and that's one of the main reasons why I think that if this occurs, it's important that you call an employment lawyer uh, who can contact the company on your behalf. Oftentimes, the employer itself just won't know what laws apply. And so I think it's very important to have somebody in your corner in a situation like this so that you can focus on getting better and getting back to work. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better. Uh, and that's exactly what it is. Your job when you're off sick is to get better. Yeah. Your job is to do whatever you can to get back to work. And your employer's job, on the other hand, is to provide the, the support and the accommodation needed, even if that means giving you the time, uh, a way to, to heal and, and get better. And what the employer has to do is assess legitimately when you're ready to come back to work if uh, they can take you back. They can't say, well, it's been too long. And too, ma- too many times we see that happen. So if you're trying to get back to work, your employer is giving you a hard time, uh, maybe your employer doesn't want you to get, go off on a medical leave, you have to give us a call. Very, very, very important. Now, before we wrap up, I wanted to mention, uh, I mentioned it before, but very quickly, the severance pay calculator a tool that we created to allow everyone to find out exactly how much they're owed if they lost their job. You go to severancepaycalculator.com. You answer three questions about your age, your position, the length of your employment, and you find out how much you're owed, the real amount, not your minimum entitlements, not this nonsense that often we hear about that it's only a week per year of service. It's the easiest way to find out what you're owed, even if you haven't lost your job, but you're curious Check out severancepaycalculator.com. It's anonymous. It's free. It's easy to use. There's no strings attached. So if you ever want to know what your what your road, that's the place you go to. Take that. I call it the severancepaycalculator.com challenge. Leah, this <laughs> was a great show. Had yeah, it was. Time, uh, Thanks, Leor. Yeah, being with you here tonight, and and uh, you know we'll do this again at some point. And for now, I'll leave you with our contact information, which is one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Uh, for Leah, this is Leor, the double L team. Uh, this was, <laughs> yeah, I know, I'm pretty cool. This was the Employment Hour on CKNW. See you next week.